0: welcome to bangalore revival center here we dream revival and serve people with love the cross is the highest point of pain to suffer and jesus did that for you and me do listen to today's word as pastor pritchie continues to teach from the cross of jesus series stay tuned
1: we are studying on the cross the cross of jesus christ the amazing power of the cross of Jesus. If we can tap into the cross of Jesus, there are so many things that will unlock for us. Last time I explained this to you, uh, there are things that we think is available because of the resurrection of Jesus, but there are things that we we ignore that it's in in the death of Jesus. It's in the sacrifice of Jesus, it's in the cross of Jesus that you find um, solutions, that you find answers, and and, and you find um, a a lot of these uh, things that are, um, you know, supposedly uh, available for us because of the resurrection. It's not actually because of the resurrection. It's actually because of the cross of Jesus. It's actually because of the death of Jesus. So on that same note, we're going to continue and we're going to go a little further i have titled today's word as the the humility and the height of the cross for today's reading we'll begin from John chapter 3 and verse 9 this is Nicodemus who is asking and he says how are these things possible this is Nicodemus who is asking this question he's saying how are these things possible what is it that is making this possible You know, the the reason he is asking this question is because Jesus had just just told him that the only way you can be saved, the only way you can enter into the kingdom of God is by being born twice, by being born again. That there is no other way that you can be born uh, again. And, And this is a process that takes being born of spirit, you and I, we are all born in the natural. There was a labor in the physical, in the natural for our birth. But then Jesus says to Nicodemus, there is a labor in the spirit. Because what, is, what gives birth to flesh is flesh, but what gives birth to spirit is spirit. So the labor in the spirit will give birth to a spirit being. And then to that, Nicodemus is asking... How is that possible? How are all these things possible? And then Jesus begins to explain to him in the next line, verse 10. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things. Why is it that you don't seem to understand these things? See, everything that we see in the New Testament was already hidden in the Old Testament. It was already available in the Old Testament. Everything that we experience from God in the New Testament, it's not something new that is given to us because uh, Jesus, after he died, he he started a new doctrine. Uh, But all the things that we are experiencing in the New Testament church, it was always already written and revealed in the Old Testament. That is why Apostle Paul, when he would speak of these truths, he would pick up scriptures from the Old Testament and he would say, that the just shall live by faith. And then he would point to the, uh, the crossing of the sea uh, and he would say that these guys, these Israelites, when they were crossing the sea, they were actually being baptized. Uh, they were in the water. They were symbols of everything that we see in the New Testament back in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is asking Nicodemus, you're not an ordinary person. You are a respected teacher of God's word. You are a learned man. You know the Torah, you know the prophets, you know the law, you know all of this well. And yet, why is it that you don't understand these things? Verse 11, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony. Jesus' problem with Nicodemus and the Pharisees and the religious teachers of his day was not that they, will, they don't understand properly. His problem was that they do not believe. Jesus i am I am witnessing to what I have seen already. I am witnessing to what I have heard. I am witnessing about a place that I am coming from And why is it that you find it so hard to believe my testimony? Because if you would take my witness, what I'm telling you, and if you would go back into scripture and you parallel that together and you read it and study it, you will understand that this is the same thing. That what I'm speaking is the truth. I mean, that has to be the way that we receive truth even in church. When you come to church, if I tell you, hey, you know, the world is about to end in seven days... You need to go back and say, okay, where is that in the scripture? What does the Bible say? Does the Bible allow us to predict the date and the times? You know, you have to go back and validate everything that I'm speaking from scripture. I'm speaking from a place of what I've heard and what I've seen. But then for you to believe that testimony, you need to go back into scripture and, and connect what I'm speaking And find out if that is already there in Scripture. And that is the problem Jesus had with the Pharisees. He's like, you guys, you are well-respected teachers of God's Word. You know the Scripture well. And right now, I'm giving you a testimony. Why can't you validate this from Scripture? and, And understand this, and believe this, and walk in this. Verse 12. But if you don't believe me, when I tell you about earthly things... How can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? See, Jesus is teaching how to be born again. Jesus is telling Nicodemus the process of salvation. And Jesus says that that is an earthly thing. That's not something in the heaven because there's no sin in heaven. There is no need for redemption in heaven. Here on the earth, there is sin. Here on this earth, there is failures. Here on the earth, there is a need to be born again. A need to deny the things of the flesh and to receive and to walk, to be born in the things of the spirit. And that's why Jesus says, I'm teaching you things of the earth. And you're not able to understand it. You're not able to believe it. You're not able to accept it. But when I start talking to you about things in the heaven." how are you going to be able to walk in that? If we are not able to receive and just you know, tap into physical earthly blessings, how are we going to tap into heavenly blessings? If we are not faithful with things that we can see and we can feel and touch, and you know, that, 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 that is in our natural realm, how can we be faithful with things that we cannot see? Jesus, in fact, said this statement once, if you're not faithful with your earthly resources, that is your money, then how can God entrust you with spiritual riches, that is heavenly blessings, you know, things that are of the heavenly realm. So, you know, our faithfulness, our willingness to give heed to even the earthly blessings and the, and the principles that we use here on the earth goes a long way in us being able to receive things of the heaven Then he goes on to explain what he was trying to say when he said earthly things. In the next verse, verse 13, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the son of man, what did he do? He has come down from heaven. Meaning to say that he was of the heaven. We are of the earth. We were created of the earth. We were made of the dust. And we will return to the dust here on the earth. Our physical lives, it it has its limitation, a physical limitation here. But Jesus, it's the other way around. Jesus was of the heaven. He was seated in heaven. And yet, he decides to come down to the earth. For us, it's the other way. We are of the earth and we will be taken up into heaven. But Jesus, he came down humbled himself, came down to a very lowly place. Then he goes on to say in verse 14, see from the heavenly realm to the earthly realm, he got demoted. But on the earthly realm, the Bible says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man will be lifted up. Some of you guys know this story in the Old Testament, if you've read that part of the book of Exodus, where there was so much of, uh, you know, uh, snakes, there were, you know, there was a plague of snakes, and snakes came and started biting people, and and people were dying left, right, and center, because of their disobedience, because of their, uh, you know, rebellion against God. And that is when God told him, God told Moses to make a bronze serpent. Okay. This is the serpent is the picture of the snake that was biting people. Right. So God told Moses to make a bronze serpent and put it up on a pole. And everybody that looked onto that pole, that snake bite did not affect them. They also got bit, but that snake bite did not kill them. They were still able to live in spite of being bit by that snake. So there was, there was a symbol of this poison that was being injected into their body. And yet Moses, what he did is he made a picture of that same poison. And he, and he lifted it up high. You know, he elevated that picture. And everybody that looked at that picture, they were healed. They were their poison was removed from their body. And now Jesus compares this to what he is going to experience. And he says, just like Moses did this in the wilderness, that when he lifted up that bronze snake on the pole, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. He was not talking about a, a lifting up in the, in the heavenly, because he was always on, on the highest of heights. And yet he came down, he humbled himself and now there is going to be a lifting up here on the earth. You know, the, the height of the cross, you know, the, the cross is the highest place of human sacrifice. There is no sacrifice that is greater than the cross. I mean, when we die, we deserve it. When he died, he did not deserve it. When we are punished, we deserve it. When, when Jesus experienced punishment, he did not deserve it. When, when we experience injustice, we deserve it because we have been unjust to someone else. But when Jesus experienced injustice, he did not deserve it because, because he was never unjust. He was the perfect, the spotless lamb of God. And the Bible says he had to be elevated on a pole. And in the same way that the sin or the poison that was biting the people that were in the wilderness, Jesus became a symbol of that poison. Jesus became sin, the Bible says. Jesus carried that sin on himself and and he had to be elevated. And when we see the cross, we don't see a perfect Jesus. We don't see a sinless Jesus. What we see is a A broken, a sinful Jesus. Did Jesus commit sin? No. But he became sin for us on that cross. What we are looking at is not, you know, the the most beautiful image of Jesus. We are looking at the most broken image of all humanity. What we are looking at is not somebody who is, you know, the the perfect person who has no ailment. No, we are looking at somebody who carried all of our sicknesses. All the sickness, COVID was in his body. Yeah. When Jesus died on the cross, I mean, COVID, we, we discovered it in 2020. But COVID was carried by Jesus in his body. That's what scripture says. Every infirmity, every sickness, he carried it on himself and he was lifted up. And now Jesus says, just like this happened in the Old Testament, you know, because... These guys, these Pharisees, these religious teachers, they're very well versed with what happened in the Old Testament, with what's written in the Torah. They know this very well. They know this inside out. And now Jesus is pointing him back to that incident and he says, in the same way that that particular incident saved people. These guys, they didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to visit a doctor. They didn't have to go through a seven-day process of cleaning the the wound. Nothing. All that they needed to do was look at the one that was elevated. Just, you know, take their focus off of the poison, off of the bite, and fix their eyes on the one that was elevated. Fix their eyes on the one that was... Crucified, Fits their eyes on the one who represented their poison. Who represented their rebellion. Who represented their disobedience. And just that looking, just that fixing their eyes on this pole set them free. Just that fact. It says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man also must be lifted up. Verse 15, it says, he says, so that everyone who believes in him, everyone that looks to him, everyone that puts their faith in him will have eternal life, abundant life, unending life, life that is, is beyond our wildest imaginations. You know, there are times when we make this statement, this is life or this is living, This this is awesome. This is how life should be like, you know, especially when you uh, get the privilege of being in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a, let's say, very luxurious environment. And, and you, you see a, a very luxurious car and you're in a luxurious car and, and, and you're like, this is living man, this is, this is it. But the Bible says those that put their faith, that believe in him, the Bible says they will be given eternal life that is the definition of abundant life that is the definition of true life we're going to try and understand what it means to experience the humility of this cross this is from philippians chapter 2 and verse 6 we know this scripture very well it says though he was god who are we talking about jesus it says though he was god he did not think of equality with god as something to cling to Something to hold very closely to. Instead, what did he do? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. This is talking about Jesus who was God, who was equal with the Father, who was in the very sense, uh, essence, the fabric of his being. Is as omnipotent as the Father, as omniscient, as all-knowing, as all-powerful, as all-able, as the Father. And yet, the Bible says, he, he did not just, you know, grasp, he did not cling on to his divine ability. He gave that up. He was willing to disconnect himself from his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. You and I, we are slaves to sin. When we are born into humanity, we are automatically slaves to sin. The fact that you and I, we are human beings, we, we, became, we, we are born into the race of Adam, and Adam, he was not always a slave. He was a master, but he, the day that he obeyed Satan, he became a slave to Satan. He became a slave to the voice of Satan. And everybody who has been born from Adam and Eve all through history they've all been slaves to this particular sin to adamic sin and the bible says jesus he also became a slave and he was willing to be a slave to this sin not that he committed any sin he did not commit any sin he did not do any wrong but he was willing to be counted as sin He was willing to be counted as a slave uh, when he was born as a human being verse 8 it says then when he appeared in human form what he did was he humbled himself in obedience to god and went on to die a criminal's death on the cross so that that place of humility was so so low jesus had to stoop down to the place of becoming a criminal I mean, just just think about this. The the perfect, the most holy, the most glorious, the one in whom there is no stain at all, he is now stooping down to become a slave to sin. He is now stooping down to be uh, a human being who uh, is now going to die a criminal's death on the cross all because he wanted to obey his father. You know, Pastor Sijo, he ministered on obedience last week. How many of you were blessed by that word? Wow. And this Jesus, he was willing to obey his father. This Jesus, his act of humility was an obedience, was an act of obedience to his father. And he was willing to die this criminal death on the cross, the Bible says. And and because of that humility, because of his humbling himself down is why we have received everything that we have in the New Testament church because of the the willingness that jesus had in going down in humbling himself now see the the way that we think you know we will win a battle or we will win a victory is by going and showing our dominance over certain things by going and showing people that hey i know all these things i i I can do all these things and i can And yet the way that Jesus taught us was the exact opposite. That's why when he would come uh, and explain to his disciples, he would say, the way of the kingdom is completely different. He who wants to be the greatest has to be the least of all, has to humble himself. He's not just talking about uh, a principle that he had to do for our salvation. He was teaching us an eternal principle that if you want to be great, it's not a bad desire, by the way. If you want to be the CEO of your company, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad or evil intention. If you want to be elevated in your business, that's not a bad desire. It's a good thing. Jesus did not call the disciples evil because they desired greatness. It's okay to desire greatness. It's okay to desire uh, wealth. And it's okay to desire uh, elevation in the physical realm. But what we don't understand is the path to that greatness is always going down. The path to that elevation is always in giving up, in laying everything down, in humbling ourselves. Jesus would explain this in John chapter 12 in explaining how, uh, you know, you harvest crops. It says a grain of wheat, when it needs to reproduce, it needs to fall to the ground and it needs to die. If it doesn't die, then that remains as a single piece of grain. But the moment it dies, the moment it falls to the ground, it humbles itself and it falls to the ground and it dies. The Bible says now it begins to reproduce. Now it begins to produce results. Now it is able to create so many more, you know, grains of wheat like itself. I mean, that doesn't make sense in our physical world. But that is the law with which God created the whole world. That in death there is life. That in our humbling, there is greatness. In our willingness to let go, Jesus would explain this to the disciples and he said, He who would cling tightly to his life will lose it. But he who is willing to lose his life, give up his life, give away his life, will have actually gained it. Anybody that is willing to just give up his resources... Man, these guys, he, 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 will, he will have a lot of reward physically, spiritually. But he who clings tightly to what he has, he is only going to lose what he has clung tightly to. And that's what Jesus did. He set a role model for us to live our life. If we have to experience the abundant life, if we have to experience the full potential of what God wants us to do here on the earth, we need to imitate Jesus. That's why Apostle Paul in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, you know, in the previous, this scripture is written after Philippians 2, verse 5. And he says, let this same attitude that Jesus had let their attitude now be in you. How, how did Jesus live? Jesus lived to humble himself. Jesus looked for opportunity to, to just you know, lower himself down. Jesus was constantly looking for ways to bring himself to uh, not just not to prove himself before people, but to just humble himself. There were several times when Jesus could have proved that uh, that that he is uh, in charge. Several times when Jesus could have uh, proved that he is the son of God. Several times when Jesus could have proved that he is the miracle worker. And yet Jesus chose not to do it. You know, there was, you know, there's one incident where these guys, they, would, they came to Jesus and said, we are done with your riddles. For once and for all, you need to answer us. Are you really the Messiah? And how hard it was for Jesus to now just, you know, give them conclusive evidence that, yeah, I am the Messiah. In fact, there was a time when uh, the, you know, Peter, James and John, they saw the glorified form of Jesus. And Jesus told them, you cannot go back down and even tell the remaining nine that you saw this. Until the time that I'm not resurrected, don't tell this to anybody else. Jesus withheld information from people so that they do not see the glorified side of him. When we read about the prayer that Jesus prayed right before the, uh, you know, crucification, you know, in the garden of Gethsemane, this is recorded in John chapter 17. He, this is the prayer that he prays. He says, Father, the time has come to now glorify your son. Now, the cross did not look like glorification in any way. I mean, the resurrection looks like glorification. But the cross doesn't look like glorification. The cross doesn't look like elevation. The cross doesn't look like prosperity or increase or uh, healing or blessing in any way. The cross looks the exact opposite of that. So I'm sure that there are things that you're battling with right now that doesn't look like God is blessing you. That doesn't look like God is on your side. That doesn't look like God is fighting your battles. But if you're willing to let go, if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to bring yourself to the point where you're, you, you, you acknowledge that, hey, God is still working in my failure. She's still working in my brokenness. He's still working when I'm willing to give up, when I'm willing to die, when I'm willing to surrender myself. If you will acknowledge that and if you will yield to him, even in your dying. Abraham, when he brought his son to the altar, the Bible says Abraham believed that God was able to resurrect his son. He did not just, uh, you know, just randomly, okay, I'm, I'm just going to give up. No, he came with that firm belief that even if I have to kill Isaac on the altar, I know that God will raise him back and give it back to me. That was the confidence that Abraham had in his own surrender, in his own giving up. I mean, like, if, if, if we are to be asked to kill a person or a thing that is the most dearest to us, it's a different thing if you say, okay, God, you kill. You take that person away. You know, you know how we pray, right? If this person is not the will of God, he should not say yes to my proposal after I have you know, done all these things. But, but that's easy to put the blame into God's hands and say, God, you take it away. If it is not your will, take this opportunity away. If it's not your will, you take this, you know, you close this business. No. Let me ask you, are you able to close the door yourself? Are you able to put the knife onto the child that God has given you? The blessing that God has given you? Are you able to come to that point of absolute surrender? This, we we are learning a lesson about the humility of the cross. Yes, the cross of Jesus was the highest place of surrender on the earth that was the highest place of sacrifice that was the highest place of glory there was a the highest place of honor here on the earth it didn't look like it but that is what it was but that required for a child of God for even beginning beginning with Jesus it required for Jesus to humble himself and die a criminal's death on the cross and it requires for us who are the followers of Jesus you know we how we become believers is by signing up a form that says I, I, I would like to get baptized and I would like to join this church and I would like to you know be, be part of this fellowship but that's not what Jesus said Jesus said you want to follow me take up your cross and follow me because I'm going to the cross if you want to imitate live my life it's a life of Perpetual surrender What would our lives look like If every day We are giving up Every day we are surrendering Every day we are sacrificing That's why apostle Paul wrote and said Dear brethren I I beseech you now to live A life of sacrifice To give your bodies as a Living sacrifice We are not even able to sacrifice A meal for prayer and here the Bible says, give your whole bodies, your mind, your, your, your thought space, your thinking space, everything, give it up as a sacrifice. Give it up, lay it all down, so that I can be glorified through your surrender. You know, the world teaches us the exact opposite, right? The world teaches us, do whatever makes you happy. Follow your heart. You know, I mean, Instagram, I, I don't know. How many posts? comes up on my Instagram feed saying, do what makes you happy. I'm like, how does Instagram know that I'm not doing what makes me happy? (laughs) Because, you know all those encouraging motivational posts that keeps coming up? Just do what makes you happy. I'm telling you, if you keep doing that, you will end up in hell. Yeah, please don't do that. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Don't do what makes you happy. Yeah, please. Do what causes you pain. And we cannot be disciples unless we are willing to surrender like Jesus surrendered. We cannot be disciples of Jesus unless we have the same attitude that Jesus had in being able, in being willing to humble himself so that someone else can receive the benefit of his humility. He was not the one who was benefiting. Jesus did not become, you know, more holy by dying on the cross. Jesus was not the one to benefit from it. Someone else was the one to benefit from it. We are willing to, you know, give up or surrender as long as it comes back to us. But are you willing to give up and surrender and, you know, lay things on the altar so that someone else can, you know, have a better life? Someone else can have a better marriage? Someone else can have a better, uh, you know, livelihood? Are you are you willing to live a life of perpetual surrender perpetual sacrifice when we get to heaven i pray that god would look at our church and 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 see us as a group of sacrificial christians our worship our songs our prayers our praise our jumping dancing all of it means nothing if we don't learn how to sacrifice if we don't learn how to surrender so this morning, I'm, I'm inviting you, church. Can we imitate Jesus in his surrender? I'm going to point out to five areas in which Jesus surrendered. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for God, he made Christ who never sinned. Everybody say, never sinned. This Jesus, he had never, he was perfect. He had never, ever sinned. And the Bible says, God, the father, he, because Jesus was willing to obey, God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. The first thing that Jesus humbled himself is in the area of sin. The other translations would actually go on to say Jesus became sin. His DNA was that he was a sinner. Even though he was not a sinner, his DNA became that he became sin. Like how that bronze serpent, although it it didn't bite anybody, it didn't hurt anybody, but it, it became the image of the poison that was revolving in the camp. Our Jesus, he became sin. So the first sign of the humility of the cross is that Jesus, he became sin and he was an offering for our sin. The next thing is that he carried our weaknesses, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4. The Bible says, yet it was, come on, read it out loud. This is amazing. This is good news, church. Okay. This is glorious news. It doesn't look like good news when you watch the movie Passion of Christ, but it is good news. It says, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. The other translations, the root word would say our infirmities, our sicknesses, our struggles, everything that makes us be broken. Our physical bodies are not perfect. Our emotional realms are not perfect. Our, uh, you know, our mind, it is not perfect. Uh, We we are confused all the time in our decision-making capacity. All our weaknesses, he carried it. He didn't have to be weak. Jesus never had to ever face sickness in his life, in heaven or on the earth, but he, he was willing to carry it for us. He was willing to take up the, the suffering, the physical, emotional, mental uh, you know, suffering. He was willing to carry that suffering upon himself. It says, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. So the second thing that Jesus did is he carried our weaknesses, he carried our infirmities, and he carried our sicknesses. The same verse goes on to say, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. Anybody that shed a tear in this last one week, don't have to show me your hands, but you know who you are. You know if you've had to be sorrowed, you know if you had to be sad, you know if you had to carry a burden in your heart, for something or the other. The Bible says he carried our sorrows and that sorrows weighed him down. It was not the cross that weighed him down. It was not the wood that weighed him down. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. I mean, I I want you to understand this. There's nobody who understands your suffering as much as Jesus does, nobody. They may say, bro, I'm here for you. I, I, I understand you, but they don't understand. Because they they didn't have the capacity to carry our sorrows. They, they must have felt sorry for us, but they couldn't carry our sorrows. That's what, that's what the Bible says Jesus did for us. He, he carried our sorrows. He was weighed down by our sorrows. Weighed down. Not just felt sorry, but he, he was weighed down. He was... He was struggling on the way up on the cross, up to the cross. He was struggling on the way up to Mount Golgotha because of our sorrows, our sadness. Today, you and I can walk freely. Today, you and I, we don't have to be unhappy anymore because our burden, our burden of sorrows was carried by someone else. Yes, in this world, as long as we live in this world, will there be sorrows? Will we have losses? Will we lose people? Will we lose resources? Will we lose things that we are attached to? We may. Will it cause us grief? It may. But our sorrows was already carried by Jesus. In the same way that our sicknesses were carried by Him. We, we trust Him to carry our sickness, but we still carry our own sorrows. No, no, that, can, that can't be. Our sorrows, our tears, Jesus, He already carried it on the way to the cross. He carried it. Are you ready for the next one? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, loudly, Though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. And everybody said an amen. amen. Do you know that no matter how rich you may seem to be. You're living in the city. We, we don't feel like we are poor people. But your, your riches is poverty compared to God's riches. Yes. Like if you compare how much money you have in your account and compare it with God's, God's bank account. You're poor. We're all poor. The Bible says that he was rich. But what did he do? He humbled himself. He was willing to become poor for our sake. He was willing to embrace poverty now many a times bible teachers we we we're very smart at avoiding the context and we'll say "No, no no this is talking about spiritual poverty no we're not talking about spiritual poverty go back and read the context it's talking in the context of money it's talking in the context of finances paul was teaching the church about giving and paul was saying just like jesus became poor so that he can make someone else rich you need to become poor you need to give up your resources so so someone else can benefit from your giving. He was teaching the church about financial giving. And he said, Jesus did this for us. So in other words, not only was Jesus bankrupt spiritually, not only was he bankrupt in his health, not only was he bankrupt in his emotional realm, he was also bankrupt financially. And he, he he had no resources. He had to depend on... You know a fisherman who would fish so that he can pay his taxes not because he needed to because you know the Bible says Jesus said at one point if I would just ask the father would send a legion of not a legion 12 legion of angels to come and fight my battle to come and you know get me money whatever I need you know it can happen but the Bible says he did not use that privileges he was God He had equality with God. He had the riches of heaven. And yet he became poor so that you and I, we can become rich. So by his poverty, he could make you rich. The fourth thing that shows the humility of the cross is that Jesus, he became poor. And he did lack enough resources. Did God the Father provide for him? Yes. But he did lack resources. That's what the Bible says when it says he became poor. He, he, he embraced poverty. The last one, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6. It says, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him to public shame. It's talking about Christians who sin and when we sin, we are nailing Jesus back to the cross and nailing somebody to the cross was a sign of submitting them to public shame public shame so Jesus was willing to endure public disgrace it's not just before the romans and the jews you should understand Jesus was humiliated before all the billions of angels that he created the demonic powers and principalities everybody would have laughed at jesus when jesus was suffering everybody said hey look at the guy who has enough look at the guy who has you know all this you know who claimed to be all in all who claimed to be on the in the high look at this jesus was subjected to public disgrace public shame Not just in the physical realm but even in the spiritual realm. In the first heavens, the second heavens, the third heavens. Jesus endured public shame. Why? You and I were the ones to be publicly shamed. You you and I were the ones to be condemned and judged and thrown into hell by God the Father. And yet Jesus took our place and Jesus took our shame. Jesus took our public shame. I don't know what community you come from. I don't know how your parents treated you. I don't know what names they called you. I don't know how they uh, you know, confessed negative things over your life. I, I don't know all the history of abuse that you have gone through. All the shameful incidents that you're afraid to talk about and open. I don't know all of those things. But I do know this. There was someone else who took your shame. You are the one who should have lived in shame. But someone else who came in your place and took that shame so that you can now walk with your head held high. So you you don't have to be ashamed of what has happened to you. You don't have to be ashamed of what people said about you. You don't have to be ashamed of how you're known in your community anymore. Because someone else took public shame for your sake and for my sake. The humility of the cross. He was willing to take my sin. He was willing to take my weaknesses. He was willing to take my sorrows. He was willing to take my poverty. He was willing to go, undergo. He was subjected to public disgrace, public shame. It didn't happen in private. Yes, this was in the mind of God before the creation of the world. But God let the history it says in the fullness of time in a point of history when it could have been recorded for the whole world to see and know and acknowledge this fact that's when jesus died on the cross for us so that it can be public before jesus post jesus everybody could know that this is what jesus did for your sake and for my sake this is what jesus did the humility of the cross he was willing, because of his willingness to obey his father, he was willing to walk this broken path. And because he did that, are you ready for this? Philippians chapter two verse nine. He says, "Therefore, come on, read it loudly with me, One, two, three go. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names come on the next verse it says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth verse 11 and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and somebody said an Amen Amen. this is the power of humility this is the height of the cross. This is the height in the heavenlies. You know, in, the, in the earthly realm, he got elevated. His earthly elevation meant sorrow. His earthly elevation meant suffering. His earthly elevation meant shame. His earthly elevation meant sin and sickness. But because he was willing to be elevated on the earth... And that earthly elevation, although, you know, in the natural, it may look like humility to us. You know, it may look like he was humbled. What had happened was elevation. Because when, when he humbled himself, he was placed on a pedestal. So that anybody that could look at him, anybody that would see this cross, this man on the cross, they can now receive salvation they can now receive eternal life they can now receive abundant life today when you and i when we carry our cross when we go through our you know challenges or you know whatever we go through and we are willing to continue to surrender we're willing to put everything back at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, you deserve it. You deserve it. I'm willing to give up control in this area. You deserve it. I'm willing to obey you. I'm willing to, to say no to this pleasure. I'm willing to say no to this privilege. I'm willing to say no to this blessing so that I can obey you. When we continue to live a life like that, man, what God does in the, even in the earthly realm is that we are elevated for other people to see our example and follow us. And the Bible says, in heaven, just like Jesus was elevated, he was given a name that is above every other name. Now, check this out. This is very surprising because before Jesus came down, he was already in, a, in the highest place. And that's what it says, right? He was equal with God. He was equal with the Father. I mean, he, he, there's no way you can surpass that. Yeah? And yet the Bible says, because he was willing to come down, the earthly name of jesus see the heavenly name of jesus is not jesus he was known as the word of god that's how he was known from the beginning that's how he is known even in the book of revelation it says his title was the word of god the name of jesus was never jesus it's joseph and mary who called him jesus here on the earth now the bible says that earthly name That physical earthly name that was probably registered in the municipality of Bethlehem. Saying this is Jesus, the son of Joseph. Yeah, that earthly name that says Jesus of Nazareth. That earthly name, it says that name got elevated. That earthly name, that temporary physical name that Jesus took here on the earth for 33 and a half years of his the word that became flesh and took a temporary name here on the earth the temporary humility that he bore here on the earth became the sign at which every knee will bow became the name at which every power on heaven, on the earth and under the earth will will give their allegiance and will bow to that name you know you, you may think that wait, if only I can just wipe this one side of my life, you know, that there's a, a season of struggle, there's a season when I, I, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to, you know, tell anybody. But do you know that it's, it's those seasons that you did have to go through struggles or, you know, whatever you had to do to continue to, uh, you know, you know what you've gone through. I don't have to explain this to you. You know what you've gone through. If you're willing to still allow the Lord to use those areas in your life, those will be the exact same areas, the exact same things that God would use to humble your enemies under that name, to humble your enemies under that same struggle, to to make that area to become your greatest testimony, to become your greatest victory. Moses, his, his weakness, Moses' weakness was his anger problem. Do you know that Moses had an anger problem, a temper problem? So much so that someday he saw this guy who was misbehaving, he went and killed him. And at the time he was upset with the Israelites, he took the uh, rod and he struck the uh, rock. Even though he was supposed to speak to the rock, he got angry and he struck the rock. And when he was willing to continue to walk with God in spite of his weaknesses, at one point God would turn and say, now this man Moses... He's the most humble person in all the persons on the earth. Can you imagine God testifying that about you? It's one thing if your pastor says you're a humble person. But if God says, man, this guy, he's the most humble, which means that this guy is died to himself. That this guy, he, he's not going to take things in his own hand. He is the most humble. The, the one area that was his greatest weakness turned into his biggest strength because he was willing to trust god with it he was willing to yield that one area of his life to god you look at all the stories of great men of god in the bible who didn't have faith but would be known as the father of faith who uh, would you know mess up in relation to heart matters you know like a david and will be known as a man of man after god's heart because they were willing to take their failures their brokenness, their inabilities, their struggles, they were willing to bring that to Jesus and say, here I am, I'm willing to surrender this. I know I can't do anything with this, but when you put your hand onto this, you will give me beauty instead of ashes. You will take my ashes and exchange it for a crown. You will take my ashes and exchange it for a, a beautiful gown. You will take my failures and you will exchange it for a victorious testimony. The Bible says, at that name of Jesus, every, come on, let's read that one more time. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 onwards. Therefore, God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father amen i'll finish with this last scripture from hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 2 and 3 it says therefore read it with me therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith You know, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us. We are surrounded, you know, by a huge crowd of witnesses. Beginning from Jesus. All the, you know, warriors of faith. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all the warriors of faith, all the way from Abel down till, uh, till all the judges and all the warriors in the Old Testament. He names all of them one by one. And he says, all of these guys, they... They had their weaknesses turned into strength. In Hebrews 11, it explains that. Their weaknesses were turned into their strength. And he says, now, since we are surrounded by this, such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, this is what we should do. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So, Paul is saying, or the writer of Hebrews is saying, we need, to, we need to become a little lightweighted. There are things that are you know, heavy on us. We need to strip off those things, especially if there are any areas where we are sinful, any areas where we are still clinging tightly to sin. We need to strip ourselves off of that sin. We need to disconnect from that sin. Because sin is what stops you from humbling yourself before God. And he says especially the sin that so easily trips us up and the next line it says and let us run with endurance the race that god has set before us look at your neighbor and tell them you need to run this week you need to run with endurance there is a race ahead of you you need to run and you need to run with endurance paul is saying If you have this extra weight on your body you will be you will have to drag yourself to the finish line you may may make it but you may have to drag but if you just strip off those extra weights how many of you know that if you're gonna go running you don't wear the heaviest shoes you don't wear a three-piece suit right what do you wear you wear light light clothes you wear light shoes you 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 want to be as fast as possible and paul says there are things that are making you very heavy you need to strip yourself off you know surrender those things give up and say it's okay lord this this may look like the most humbling thing but it's okay i'm willing to lay this down so that i can run with endurance the race that god has set before me verse 2 he says we do this by keeping our eyes on jesus he's he is the one who was elevated on that pole is the one who was on the height of that cross on the physical the earthly in the earthly realm you know what Nicodemus was told by Jesus I'm teaching you earthly things in the earth how on the earth the son of man needs to be lifted up and Apostle Paul says we fix our eyes on Jesus who was elevated on the earth here on the earth I mean we 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 can fix our eyes on Jesus who is seated in the right hand of the father but that is, you know, obvious, right? He was, he was, al- he always had glory. But when you fix your eyes on the elevated Jesus, on the bronze serpent, on the one that carried your sin, your sicknesses, your sorrow, your shame, when when you fix your eyes on this Jesus, the Bible says, you will be able to run with endurance this run this race we run this by fixing our eyes on jesus it says because he is the champion of our faith He is the champion who initiates our faith and he's the champion who perfects our faith he is the one who helps us to run he is the one who blows the whistle when we are at the starting line he's the one who is cheering us on the race he's the one who is waiting to receive us at the finish line he is the champion who initiates the author and the perfecter, the beginning, the source and the finish, the alpha and the omega of our faith is Jesus. And how do we live our life of faith? By fixing our eyes on that bronzed serpent, on that elevated cross, on that elevated place, on that height of the cross. It, it is a place of height and it is a place of humility at the same time. We fix our eyes on that. And that is how we run this race. It says, because of the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Was it shameful? Yes, it was. But there was a joy that was awaiting him. He, he looked at the smiling faces that he will see in church this morning. You know the, Can you smile at him? Uh, guess what he has seen this movement 2000 years back when he died for us on the cross this brings him joy this brings him happiness it says because of the joy that was awaiting him on march 20th 2022 jesus the bible says he disregarded the shame of the cross and he endured it for your sake and for my sake because of the joy that was awaiting him goes on to say now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne verse 3 I'll finish with this think think of all the hostility or the humility that he endured from sinful people then what will happen then you won't become weary and give up let let me I I, want to I want to ask you honestly how many of you ever felt like giving up that this walk of faith is not for me this Jesus thing it doesn't work for me that you know I mean I have I have been there and I being your pastor I can confess I have been there I have have, there are seasons when I felt unloved there are seasons when I felt like there is no coming out of this but the Bible says when when you're about to give up will you remember this this week that when you're about to become weary, when you're about to give up, you have to think of the hostility that he bore. You have to think about the humility that he bore. You have to think about the height of the cross, the earthly elevation of the cross, the earthly height of the cross. You have to think of that. And when you think of that, you will automatically get the strength to endure your current situation. See, what you're going through right now, it's not big... And trust me when I say this, it's not big enough for the cross. It's not as high as the cross. The highest point of sacrifice, the highest point of suffering is the cross. The fact that you have five extra cages on your body is not suffering. All those who got it said an amen. I know you're trying so hard not to. I mean, the kind of things that we crib about today that man this is not working for me that is i'm telling you all the things even if your suffering was genuine let's say your suffering is genuine and and you you've been really hurt probably in your relationship in your marriage in your in your in your career you you've you've been demoted you have lost your job you're struggling but the worst of human suffering cannot compare to what jesus went through so the bible says when you are struggling think of the hostility Think of the humility that he had to endure to see a joy, to see your happiness, to see your satisfaction. And when you think of that, you will not become weary. You will not give up.
0: Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at DreamingRevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11am at youtube.com slash Pastor Bridgie. God bless you and have a blessed week.